Well, good morning. My name is Katie, I'm married to Ben, and I'm usually downstairs with the children, and um, so here you go. I'm going to start by telling you a story. This is a story that happened in the last couple years. We had the opportunity about two years ago to move from a house that we'd been in since uh, my daughter Mackenzie was born into a house across town, and we were so excited and could not wait to get there. And when we got there, we were there, and it was, it was, it was a bigger house. There was two stories, and um, it was a new neighborhood. And my daughter was eight years old. It's late. It's 11.30 at night or so, and she comes into our room, and she says, it's probably the third, second or third night we're there, and she says, um, are, there, are there burgles here? Burgles. What? I don't want to get, I'm scared that we're going to get burgled. <laughs> Burg- oh, like a burglar? Yeah, are we safe? Because it's a new house. She doesn't know. She's afraid. I said, oh my God, honey, daddy's here, like he's here. And she said, oh. <laughs> I am not, I, I said, oh, we're all home. The doors are locked. We, we're all, <sighs> oh, Matt Simpson lives around the corner. He's a police officer. We've got Matt McGee. He lives around the corner. He's a police officer. All right here, right, right where we live. Oh. Okay. Good night. She goes to bed. Ben goes, well, I've just been castrated. <laughs> now, for the record, that story was supposed to end halfway through where my daughter was like so scared of being burgled and because her dad is so strong and noble, she was going to be protected. But... She knows that uh, I'm just as scared as she is. <laughs> well, we're in the middle of this uh, series on No Fear, and uh, it's been a, a great series. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue on in this process where we're at, and we're going to look at the presence of God calms our fears. And what's interesting is when you think of being scared, like what are you scared of? And most of the time we're scared is when we are alone or when we're emotionally alone or physically alone. And how when we're actually with somebody, when we're with people, when we're with strong people, our fears kind of go away. And this morning we're going to take a look at that on the biggest of all scales and recognize that when we are near God, when God, we recognize that God is near us, that our fears have a chance to just to take a break and to not rule our life. Um, Jeff kicked off the series a few weeks ago and did an incredible uh, sermon. And if you haven't watched it yet, you should go on our website and, and watch it. It is just a great biblical study on fear. And uh, what Jeff came up with, is when he looked at it, fear, anxiety, and the Word of God, everywhere in Scripture where it talked about fear and being afraid, there were basically two responses of how we navigate our fear. One was to recognize that God loves us, that God loves us and he's for us. And last week, um, I had an opportunity to unpack that a little bit, to recognize theologically in our brain, we understand how the world works. We understand that God sees us, he loves us, and he's for us. And so when God loves us, we're free from judgment. We're free from all the things that could trip us up throughout the day and week. And then we're actually free to go and love other people. But the second one is what we're going to unpack today is that when we recognize that God is with us, The presence of God, the power of God, isn't just this thing we know in our head theologically, but when we can actually experience it, when we we can lean into recognizing that God is alive and active and walking with us, holding our hand, holding us, then fear has no place, has no power in our life. And just like my daughter, who's so scared of the dark and is so scared of a new neighborhood and is just fearful in general, I think, um, to know that there are people with authority and the police around the corner who could protect her at any moment. Like she's, oh, 
she's able to sleep. And this morning, we get to have an opportunity to think about and get our head around this idea that God, the creator of the universe, the one who loves us and who is for us, also longs to be with us as we navigate our lives. So as we get fearful, it's easy to think we want We need God's love. We need God's power. And, you know, I've been doing some studying in this last Lenten season, and I actually spent a lot of time in Exodus. And I actually got to this place where there was a sense of jealousy. Here's Moses in Exodus with the presence of God. We start in the book of, um, well, in the book of Exodus, but we start with him, and he is out in the field, and he is called all of a sudden in Exodus. He tells us about... um, Give me a sec. The burning bush. Let me read this to you. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why does this bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, said God. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing on is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. When I read that passage of scripture, I think, oh, I wouldn't, you'd be fearful because it was God but you'd see him and what the gift it was for Moses. And he goes on, goes on in the book of Exodus where he's with the Israelites and they have, they have fled Egypt. And in Exodus 12 or 13, 21, it says, the Lord was going before them. They're, they're walking in the desert and the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and night. One more evidence, these people can look ahead, see God's presence. It's knowing the police officer is around the corner. They don't have to be afraid because he is visually with them. One last one where it says, whenever Moses entered the tent, so now they're building the tent and and Moses is working with his people, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand on the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses. So as I did this study during this Lenten season, I thought, I I should have been alive then but not really. But what attracts me to it is they got to see him. There was just no doubt he was there. And I think it's not, we don't have that now. I want that. That's the way, that's the way it should be. But then I did some more study and I start to realize, hold on a second, that wasn't always true. I'm sure you guys remember David, King David, anointed David, David, who's the man after God's own heart, who seriously I'm going to totally have a little conversation with when I meet him, because he was a disaster. And I don't understand, except that we can identify that we're disasters, and he, but he was really a disaster, way big sinner. But when he gets in trouble, he's had an affair with Bathsheba, and he is confronted by Nathan. He has his eyes opened, and David sees his sin. And this is what he's, he cries out to God and he says, create in me a pure heart, God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence, O Lord. Take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation 
and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. After reading some more about it, I realized there was fear because without the Holy Spirit, in the same way that he was delivered through Pentecost, there was the opportunity that God's presence could be taken away. And I thought, okay, just kidding. I don't really want the cloud of fire. Like, I don't want that either. Like, I, I think I want to be able to visually see him. That's the better way. But then I think, but if there's an opportunity where he could leave, he could leave, you're alone, you cry out to nothing. Like, out of a person who struggles with that kind of fear, that would be the most anguishing thing possible. To, will he come back? Is he done? Where do I go? That would scare me. Yeah, it was interesting as we were talking this last week um, about this passage of Scripture and, and, the, and the joy of wanting to see God in His presence and to be with us visually, um, but to know that that wasn't always the case, right? That God would show up in His presence and then He'd be gone and silent for a long time. And you see the psalmist crying out. And when they're crying out, like their dark night of the soul was like truly a dark night of the soul. I think as Christians, we take for granted that we actually have access to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives with us and is with us. And when Jesus came, he not only taught us how to live, but his death and resurrection actually allowed a whole different way of ministry to happen. And Jesus uh, talks about this in John chapter 14 and, and says this, All of this I have spoken while with you, but the Advocate and the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And this is really an incredible passage of Scripture because what Jesus is saying is, listen, I'm going to leave. And the disciples were like, they didn't get that and they didn't want that. But Jesus knew that you only get me right now. But when I go and get to be with the Father, I get to give my Holy Spirit. I get to release the Holy Spirit to all of humanity, to all the people who have given them their lives to me, I now get to be part of their lives. I, the, my presence gets to be with them, in them, and I get to move through them forever. And as we were talking this week, like what a different sort of change that would be to wanting to see God and having to see God and then unsure when God was going to show up or not show up, to move and grow and to be people who experience the Holy Spirit. And we don't talk a lot about experience. It's hard to, you know, how do you bank on experience? But we need to remember and we need to reflect and to recognize that the Holy Spirit, that God actually is alive. He is working in us and through us. And he says there's three, three things. And I just, what I did is I, I studied all these passages on the Holy Spirit and I kind of crammed them into these three different categories. And so you have to take a little bit of liberty with me. But um, I just think there's these great passages of Scripture. This first one says that the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, has come to teach us and to remind us of all things. And what's the Holy Spirit supposed to teach us and remind us? Well, A, that we talked about last week, that God loves us that he's for us, that he's forgiven us, that he is God Almighty, and we are his people. And he gives us these passages of Scripture in Romans chapter 8. It says, And if the Spirit of who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his Spirit who lives in you. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that God gives through Jesus is actually living in you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that lives inside of me. When I first read this, I'm like, wow, then I must be like God. And then I prayed and tried to do things that um, I shouldn't have done. I got hurt and hurt people. And so that's a whole different story for another day. But it's not, we're now superheroes, but it's the, that is the power that God has for us inside of us. 
And then he goes on in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, And that you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And the way that letters would be written, the way love letters would be written, right, is you would have a little bit of wax and you put your seal and you say, this letter is from this person, an important person, and no one is to break that seal until that person gets it. And when we become Christians, when we put, give our trust to Jesus, the presence of God isn't just this thing out there, but the Holy Spirit is a marker on our souls. And the power that raised Christ from the dead is now within us. And that is something that we, the Holy Spirit has taught the apostles through the scriptures that we gather to remind ourselves that those are real and true things. And then he says he goes on to give us peace. And there's peace about the presence of God. And maybe this just says more about where I'm at. But there's also this weird peace about being in restored relationship with God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. It's not really a fun verse. It's not my favorite verse. But if you think about this, that the Holy Spirit is alive and he's active in us. And maybe not for you, but I find for me, because God is invisible and it's easy to kind of put the Holy Spirit in the, in the back room, I live my life how I want to live. And when I live the life how I want to live, I end up kind of tamping down the voice of the Holy Spirit. I tamp down what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And where I used to like, you remember like when you used to do a couple things that were wrong and the Holy Spirit would convict you and you'd be like, oh, that's a thing. And you were like sensitive to the movements of the Holy Spirit. And after a while you go, nah, and you just kind of tamp that down and tamp that down. And I think what it means is that we actually dull our senses to what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And so part of what we do is says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells in your midst? That our bodies, our lives, together as the congregation, that we are the dwelling house of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we miss out on the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the peace of the Holy Spirit because we are so fast running so far away from God, plugging our ears and tamping down what God wants to do that we miss it. And because of Christ, we're forgiven. So we don't need to be ruled by guilt or fear or shame. We get to confess our sins. We get to reignite that flame and say, Jesus, have your way with us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. And we get the peace of a restored relationship. And lastly, it says that we now, um, we now don't have to be trouble. Um, we don't have to face trouble or be afraid. Because we're actually in the presence of God, that we are in reconciled relationship with God. My friend gave this uh, definition of reconciled relationship. Restoring a relationship of mutual love. I think that's so awesome. We think of the ministry of reconciliation. We think about being in relationship with God. It's not just that God loves us, God loves us, and we're okay. But it's being in a relationship of mutual love with God. In Ephesians chapter 5, it's another one that doesn't really have much to do with that, but I think it's been helpful for me. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, with leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And really what I think that means is all of us live lives where we're fearful, where we're afraid, where we're anxious, and we all find a million easy ways to cope with that. Some healthy, some not healthy. But however we use to cope with our fear and our pain and our anxiety is we're not allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to be the one that comforts us and to brings us peace and to brings us, um, um, who will, I'm sorry, free us from all of our fear. And so when we recognize that we want to be people who experience the Holy Spirit. We have to be people that cannot run away from the Holy Spirit. We have to be people who aren't allowing other things to take up space for what the Holy Spirit wants to do with our lives, that we have to sit in our fear and in our anxiety and our discomfort and actually make space to hear from God 
and allow the Holy Spirit to have its way with us. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says, right, that when we actually allow the Holy Spirit to have its way in us, to mold us and shape us, then the things that define us are not fear and they're not anxiety, but it's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who not only walks with us, who not only is a pillar of fire for these moments, but a Holy Spirit who promises to actually be within us, to dwell within his people, that all people who know and love Jesus and who have trusted him have access to the power of God. And so we thought it'd be kind of fun to, that sounds nice and, and spiritual, right? But we thought it'd be kind of fun to figure out how do we take these incredible ideas and actually move for them in our, in our daily life. So here's the deal. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the Word of God. We can, it says there's so many places. I heard there's a, there's a do not fear or fear not for 365 days. There's literally 365 times in the Bible that says that and 365 days of the year. So shouldn't we be able to read that and be like, okay, here's the deal. I think there's a segment of the society that can read that. I think there's a large segment that can look at that and say, okay, don't be afraid. Here's some scripture on what to do when I feel afraid. Here's, what I, here's how I can manage it. And you know what? They can manage it. And then I think there's a segment of the society that can do all of those things. And it feels like it's not quite working. I'm that segment of society. As Jeff said in the very beginning of this uh, whole entire series, and I felt it was really important, so I want to repeat it today. There are some of us that need this scripture, all of us need this scripture teaching, every single one of us, and some of us need to go a little bit further than that and get some good counsel or take some important medicines prescribed by a doctor. I have to do those things. I struggle with this. And I think there's a lot of other people, too, just who struggle with this, just like some people struggle with pain and some people struggle with anger. I can read those kind of scriptures and be corrected and move forward. And other people struggle with that for their whole life. Well, and that's how I feel when it comes to fear and anxiety. It's not as simple as just being corrected. It's not as simple as just praying for it to go away. And so what do we need to do? That's what Ben was talking about. What do we need to do with when it's, when it's not that simple, or maybe the circumstances are graver than they've ever been, and what's worked for you suddenly isn't working anymore. And I think this is where this comes in. Confession brings things to light. Saying something out loud changes everything. There's a scripture, one of my favorites is from James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And here's what Satan wants me to do. Shut my mouth. It's too embarrassing to tell you. You guys, you have no idea what I wake up thinking about at 3 in the morning. You have no idea the way my head spins about stupid things I said at that dinner party that I was at. You have no idea that the headache I feel, maybe is that a brain tumor? Like, those are the things that if I say it out loud to my husband, this thing gets smaller. And all the more to God, who says, I know, that's who you are, that's how I made you. It's not a mistake. It's actually 
the way that you get called to me. Are you broken, Katie? Are you fearful? Guess who you're talking to? Because if I didn't have this thing, if I didn't have to manage these fears, maybe I wouldn't need him. And that is scarier. I think it's important that to understand that when we say things out loud to the Lord, to trusted people in our lives, the monster gets real small. The light comes on. Standing here in front of you, saying this is who I am, many of you have heard my story before, but all of a sudden I go, well, it's out there, big deal, as opposed to at three in the morning last night, you're an idiot, Katie, why did you say yes to Ben? In marriage or just a sermon? Both. Okay. <laughs> So I think that's important. I think it's a huge value for us, and I think it's not one we practice. And I think it's one that every single time you're going to get to a place where you think, I'm going to share this with someone. It's going to sound so stupid. Doesn't that sound so stupid? All of a sudden, all the fear is taken out of it. The Lord hears you. It becomes part of the ability to breathe and receive peace because it's not scary and dark anymore. I love that when it's, it's, it is, I love how you said it takes the monster that's really big and scary and actually tames it down to size when you say something out loud and go, oh, this is really what I'm scared of. And you get to see someone else's reaction and go, oh, that's it. Or they get to walk with you. And so one of those things is, is that the second thing is it's this discipline of, of paying attention. And I thought I was really good at paying attention, but all of my data points in my life have been reminding me that I don't. I live in my head. I miss, e- I, I miss exits when I drive. My kids, it's like their fourth sentence, and I'm like, wait, what are we talking about? You know, Katie will be sharing about being scared. I'm like, wait, what? Because I'm like in my head, like I'm just, I'm not very good at paying attention. And, um, and what's interesting is when you think about paying attention, um, it's, it's a discipline that we have to do. And the Holy Spirit is this tiny voice. We want the Holy Spirit to be these giant pillars of fire, but that's generally not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is this quiet voice, and we are so busy cranking out our lives that we miss out on it. Um, a lot of our people in our culture, um, when I, I was going to counseling and my, my, the lady who's my therapist said I should try this, being, doing mindfulness. Um, it's a great exercise, um, right? What mindfulness is, is this idea of saying, being aware, just being present, sitting in this moment like, oh, I'm nervous. Oh, I'm sweaty. Oh, I'm, my mouth is dry. Whatever. Like it's, being, it's recognizing all the things that are happening in this moment. And when we're mindful, right, it, it takes us getting from out of our head and it helps us sit in this moment. But what I think Christ is inviting us to do is not just to do mindfulness in the sense of, I want to know what's going on with me. I want to know what I'm fearful of. I want to know what I'm scared of. I want to know what that's doing in my body. But the, what Christian what the theology invites us to do, what Jesus invites us to do, is to actually not just pay attention to our own bodies, to our own anxieties, but to recognize what the Holy Spirit is up to. It is an incredible discipline when you can recognize I am out of control and I'm fearful and I'm anxious and I'm freaking out. And then in that moment think, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say to me in this moment? Where are you alive? Where are you active? What are you drawing me into? This last week, um, I got a call, which, you know, happens every now and then where I, I get asked to go to the hospital because someone's, you know, really sick and not doing well. And, uh, and, I, and so I, I drive down. Well, first I change my clothes because I'm in my sweatshirt. I'm like, I should probably look like a pastor. And so I put on my pastor clothes and I, and I drive to the hospital. And the whole time I'm driving there, I'm thinking, I'm freaking out. I'm sweating through my shirt. 
I'm like, I'm so scared. How do I be a pastor to this person who I don't know that well, who all the reports are like, this is the end. And what in the world am I going to do? And I'm freaking out. And in mindfulness, I'm like, I'm freaking out. Okay, I'm sweating. Relax. Take a deep breath. And all those things. But, with, but I think what God has invited me to do with the Holy Spirit is to go, okay, God, you're in control. This person is your son and he loves you. I'm your son and you love me. Your Holy Spirit is inside me. Your Holy Spirit is inside them. Your Holy Spirit is in this room. Your Holy Spirit is alive and active. And what in the world do you want to do in me and through me in this moment? And it was wild to walk into this room and to come across this person who, uh, you know, when you're all in the, in the ICU, it's not pretty. And so all of those anxieties, all of a sudden to go, and to breathe and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want for me? And it was wild because I'm not normally a mindful person. I'm not normally a Holy Spirit person, but I needed the Holy Spirit. I was outside of my strength. I was outside of what God normally calls me to do. And all of a sudden to realize that the Holy Spirit gave me peace and gave me words and gave me strength and gave me an opportunity to not be so selfish and spun up and are people going to think of what they're going to think of me, but to be a good pastor, to offer spiritual care for that person and to be a good witness to the nurse and to, to enter that moment. And when we're anxious, we, have, we miss out on all that God has for us because we only see what's in front of us. When we're fearful, we only see what's in front of us. And if we only practice mindfulness, then we only get to affirm all of the things about who we are in that moment, which are important. We need to know what is happening inside of us. But Jesus invites us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I love this psalm. It's, a, it's this beautiful poem, but I think it sums it up well. This is one of the, 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 the prayers of David in, in Psalm 26. It says this, Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For I've always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. And I think if we're people who wrestle with fear and anxiety, that Jesus actually is inviting us to be people who are mindful of him, who recognize that he is at work, his love and his faithfulness, and he invites us to be a part of his kingdom and his righteousness. And the third thing that we want to talk about, which I feel like we say this week in and week out, and you come and we come and you hear the same it's really the same things over and over and over throughout the year. And that is to, that we have to stay connected to Jesus through his word. I think there's some of us that do it. There's some of us that mean to. There's some of us that think when life is a little busy, they'll get back to it. I think there's some of it that think, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I think we all come from different places about the, the same thing. But we know we're supposed to. We feel guilty. We feel bad. And here's what I've come to realize, is that being connected to Scripture is the only single way that we can know Christ for who He really is and not who we want to make Him to be. It is so important. I could not love Jesus Christ more in my life. I could not love Him more. I can't do I can't just pray and ask him to take away my fear and have it just magically go away. I have to know his word. And that's not even a magic potion in terms of the fact that if I just repeat this, if I just repeat this, then, then I'll somehow like stop being scared. But here's what knowing the word does. It's, it's, it's being able to repeat it, but it's being able to know how it changes the inside of me. 
I have some of the dearest friends. I grew up, fortunately, with a mom who loves Jesus. And she, when we were little, started with memorization cards when she was doing, when we were getting ready in the morning. And I remember being so annoyed with her. And she would do it on the way to school, and she would have us memorize, and my brother and I, like seriously, it was awful. <laughs> but here's the reality. It's those scriptures that my heart calls up at three o'clock in the morning, like it just is. And I have dear friends, dear friends, who get through life on scriptures with index cards, because that has shaped them. And you know what? That might feel like a girly thing. I don't know. But I, I'm on, a, you know, that Bible app, and I get, I don't know how we're connected, but like, Clark Roberts just completed a devotional series today. Say congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. I've never said congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but here it is. I'm seeing people connected to, they're reading the word. It encourages me. They're doing it in all different ways. Some people are doing it audibly in their earphones. Some people are reading it. Some people are making their index card. Like, we are all doing it. Some people are using music and using it that way. I don't care how we do it. If we don't know the word, oh, I almost said something bad. We're in trouble. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it reminds us, it, it, it takes our perspective. It widens our perspective. It reminds us who God is. It reminds us that we're not alone. It reminds us that he's got it. It reminds us that we think we're in control. We are under an illusion of control. There's no control. That's what the word does. It puts it right back into place only so that we can lift up our hands and say, okay, you've got it. I clearly don't. And, and guys, I'm married to him. I work downstairs. I help. I'm in Marin Morning. And there's days and there's weeks sometimes where I do not open my Bible. Like, it's, like, it should be part of my job. It is so easy to skip it. But here we are, week in and week out. It is the only thing that will change us. It is the only thing that will change us, that Jesus Christ will change us through his word, and we have to be connected. I've got to stop. <laughs> okay, I couldn't tell. <laughs> Sorry. Katie has the potty mouth in the family. I can tell where, where you're going. I, I think what's incredible is, I mean, this idea of scripture, it's, it's, it is, it, it is boring sometimes, but because God's invisible and it's hard to, rem, to see him when we don't see him, but even though we don't see him, we get his presence and the Holy Spirit is a tool to help us understand why sometimes we're closer to him, why we're not, maybe things that we need to do to, so that we're not squelching, squelching the Holy Spirit. The word of God reminds us that we are the body of Christ and so even though today I may not feel and experience the presence of God, when I read scripture, when I come to church, I, I am reminded of the truth that the Holy Spirit is with his people, that the Holy Spirit is in me, that we are connected because of the body of Christ. And when we experience the presence of God, when we experience God's closeness, right, it's, it's the presence of God that wipes out all of our fear. So we're going to do one little spiritual discipline um, that I think is my favorite spiritual discipline to help us remind us that we're not alone and that God is with us. And as to recognize this, that we are the body of Christ. We belong to one another. And so if you'd stand up and grab hands with the person next to you, because that's a real life person, 
a real-life touch. And that person who's holding your hand represents that the Holy Spirit is just as present, if not more, than that person's hand in your life. And Kay and I just want an opportunity to pray for you and pray for ourselves as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, we thank you that you are all-powerful, that you have had such dramatic stories throughout all of Scripture and throughout the whole world. But this morning, God, we pray that you would just have a dramatic story, a dramatic moment in us, that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that we would recognize that you are with us, you are running after us, you are inside of us, we are your temple being shaped and changed by you. And we ask as your Holy Spirit has your way within us, God, that you would mold us and shape us more and more into your image. God, we just lay before you that we can be fearful, anxious, worrisome people. We just confess it. And we say we're sorry because you got it. Draw us to yourself in a way, Jesus. Just draw us to yourself in a way that that becomes more and more the true reality that we live in. And we just thank you so much for this church and our people. And we just love you.